It's so good to be here this morning, and it's always encouraging because it seems like everywhere we go, we run into people that we know or that know us, and so it always feels like we're coming home. That happened this morning as well, so thank you all for that. And you all have an amazing building. As uh, Jake alluded to this morning, I started working as the associate minister at the Bible Chair back in August. Uh, before that, I was a youth minister in a couple of different churches. And before that, I was a student at WT that was highly involved with the campus ministry. And had it not been for Buster Christ, I wouldn't be standing here today. I wanted to tell you all a little bit more about myself, but I'm also going to transition into the sermon. Because <laughs> y'all didn't come here to learn about me. Y'all came here because of your love for Christ. I don't really like sports. <laughs> I, have, I have to admit that. Um, I know that Canadian is known for their football team. Is that right? But what is y'all's mascot? Y'all really missed an opportunity. Y'all could have been the geese. I was thinking about that. <laughs> I was thinking about that on the way here. Uh, but I know that y'all are known for your football, but how many basketball fans are out there this morning? You can raise your hand just for a moment. Basketball fans. A any fans of the, uh, uh, oh, I just lost the name, uh, the San Antonio Spurs. Any, any San Antonio Spurs fans out there? A little bit? Well, uh, I had to tell you all this story. I, I think it's kind of funny. A few years ago, uh, Buster Christ, we went on a mission trip down at San Antonio, and kind of on one of our nights off, one of our fun nights, we got to go to a Spurs game. And I don't really like sports, so I had to find other ways to entertain myself while I'm there. And so what I like to do, no matter what the sport is, is I like to wander around and find places where I can sneak in that maybe I'm not supposed to. <laughs> and... We were at this Spurs game, and after wandering around for quite some time, I found myself on front row seats, I mean, on the court. And so, being the nice guy that I am, I was taking pictures and sending them to my friends who were up in the nosebleeds, and I was like, hey, look at where I'm at, look at where, you know, y'all come down, y'all come down, I just walked right in. And I saw them waiting by the entrance to the courtside seats, and I waved over like, hey, come on, and I made my way out. They made their way in, and on my way out, I leaned to the security guard and said, those guys don't have tickets. <laughs> and that was a pretty fun day for me. <laughs> but I know uh, we have some basketball fans, some Spurs fans, but I want to ask y'all, how many of y'all know of Earl Manigault? Nobody, right? maybe a few. Earl Manigault was a street basketball player in the 1960s. He was an incredible player, and he is well known for lots of different things, but a couple of things that he's kind of known for was that it's possible he was the first player to ever perform the double dunk, where he would dunk the ball, catch it, and dunk it again all in the same jump. It's also believed that even though he was only six foot one, he could jump and get a quarter off the top of the backboard. He never played for the NBA, and he only played briefly at the college level, but he was really well known. Maybe there's still talk of Earl Manigault in the basketball world, but if not, there is one thing about 
Earl Manigault that's still being used, and that's his nickname. Earl was affectionately known as the goat. And maybe you've heard that used today. Nobody really knows why he was called the goat. Maybe it's because of his last name. Kind of sounds like goat. But it's believed that now, and everybody accepts that goat is greatest of all time. Maybe you know somebody that you consider the greatest of all time. Maybe you've been considered that at certain points in your life. I know that in Amarillo during football season, they do something uh, like on the local radio station called the Goat of the Week, which, like, I wonder how can you be the greatest of all time of the week? Um, But we, we won't go down that rabbit trail too far. But we use this nickname or we say this about people to show respect to them who's the best of the best, who makes a name for themselves in whatever they do. It could be sports or it could be in other areas of life as well. And a lot of us look up to these people and maybe we desire the same skill, the same talent, the same fame or fortune or influence. And we dream of meeting these people and maybe even sit next to, and we dream of sitting next to them in that, in that place of fame and influence. But I wonder what would happen if we got to meet the greatest of all time, and I'm not talking about Earl Manigault. Many people in our world today are searching for fame or power or influence over other people in some way. In the days of old, it was people striving to be kings, and maybe now it's people striving to be influencers on social media. We start our own businesses so that we can be our own boss and have all the decision-making power and not be told what to do or when to do it. We work and work and work our entire lives to get that promotion so that maybe we can have people under us that can do all the things that we don't want to do. And even in everyday conversation, We try to get the leg up on the next person. And I think of a fishing story where the first guy caught a fish this big, and the next guy caught one this big, and the third guy caught 37 this morning. I think that deep down, we all struggle with this desire to be powerful, or at least to leave a legacy, or maybe even more than that, just to be remembered. The struggle of wanting to be remembered or to have influence or power is a struggle for all. And I think it's been a struggle since Adam and Eve. Because the original temptation is, as you remember, was to be like God. Today, we are going to look at one instance where two men wanted to be high up in God's kingdom. And we're going to look at how Jesus redefined what it meant to be great. And that story that we're going to read together today comes from Mark chapter 10, verses 35 through 45. So let's read that together. Mark chapter 10, verses 35 through 45. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, Let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. 
can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers, over, rulers of the Gentiles, lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. In the story, you see these two brothers, James and John, striving to be high up in God's kingdom. They come to Jesus almost demanding that this be done. Their desire is to sit next to Jesus, and it, this, this desire is a plea to have authority or to be known to be high up in his kingdom. They recognize that there's something different about Jesus. I think to James and John, Jesus is the greatest of all time. Something that's interesting to me is that Jesus had just before predicted his death for the third time. In Mark's account of the story, James and John's request comes immediately after this prediction. So it shows you what was on their minds. Their focus was self-centered. In my mind, it makes me wonder if James and John fully understood what was about to happen. Did they know Jesus was about to die? Did they know what the cup was that they were going to have to drink? It's possible that they did. And maybe they were just trying to display to Jesus how committed they were, how devoted they were to him. And if that's the case, then they definitely weren't going about it in the right way. Jesus is indeed the greatest of all time, but how he achieved this status is much different than the world's standards. As mentioned, it's possible that James and John felt entitled to sit next to him. Or maybe, um, it, as I said, maybe they felt that... <clears throat> Maybe they understood, or maybe they felt entitled to sit there because they were the third and fourth disciples to be called. Maybe they felt like the vineyard workers who had been there all day, and maybe they deserved something more. They thought that since they had been around longer, they, de uh, they deserved more, and it was because James, maybe it was because they got to witness the transfiguration. Maybe they felt entitled Maybe they were extremely devoted, or maybe they just wanted to be remembered. There's no way to know exactly what was on their minds, other than to assume that they just wanted to be great. And if I'm being totally honest today, I struggle with the same feeling. I mean, who wouldn't want to be great in God's kingdom? But let's go back and let's read the story one more time. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. 
Jesus said to them, You will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. And said, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Although James and John come to Jesus almost demanding that this be done, that he make them great, how did Jesus respond? He responds with humility and grace. He responds with the simple, what do you want me to do for you? I'm confident, as Sterling said earlier, I'm confident that Jesus already knew what their question was going to be. And he already knew how he would respond. But Jesus still listened, just as he would with anyone else. Later in Mark chapter 10, Jesus comes to a blind man and asks him the very same question. What do you want me to do for you? And I believe that this question is a fantastic representation of what Jesus' ministry was about. Meeting people where they are and listening to their needs, whether it be a close friend or a stranger. Then after James and John make their request known, Jesus simply replies with, you don't know what you're asking. This shows us that Jesus knew James and John didn't fully understand So he asked them, can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? And they respond the same way anyone else would. Yeah, sure we can. Of course. And to this, Jesus again responds with humility. You will drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. Jesus' response is humble. He is saying, yes, you will follow me, but it is not my place to grant these positions. Then when the other disciples heard, they became upset with James and John. And Jesus took the opportunity to teach the group what it meant to be great in his kingdom. He said, to be great, you must be a servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. And I believe this mentality is difficult for us to understand because this is so opposite of what, it, of what we understand to be great. No one wants to be the player that's not remembered. They want to be the goat. But this is not what Jesus calls us to be in our lives. Let me clarify what I'm saying. Jesus is telling the disciples that the Gentiles, the world, use their authority to control others, to have authority over them. But as Christians, we are called to something different. We are called to be servants and slaves to all. Jesus says, for even the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Put simply, Jesus tells them that in order to be great, they must be like him, because he was a servant. He met people where they, were, where they were in their life, and he met their needs. And he didn't put anyone, he didn't put himself above anyone else. He spent his life surrounding himself with those who weren't considered clean, 
lepers, prostitutes, tax collectors, and sinners. He calls us to do the same if we are to be great in his kingdom. What's pretty neat about this story is that this instruction given to the twelve wasn't just for them. It was for us too. In our world where everyone is striving to be the goat, to be an influencer, to have authority, it's easy for us to get wrapped up in the rat race. It's easy for us to want more or to feel entitled to more. We struggle with the, sa- with the same things that James and John and Adam and Eve struggled with. We want to be great. We want to have authority. We want to be known. At least I know I struggle with that, and maybe you do too. But the reality is that things in this world don't matter, for this world is not our home. We can fight for greatness. We can push people around. We can use authority against others. But to be great in God's kingdom, we are called to be different. We are called to serve and become a slave to all. I'm sure you can think of people in your life who do this well, and I know it sounds like this church as a whole does that well. And it is possible for all of us to do the same. The answer is here in this story. Do you want to be the goat? (laughs) Do you want to be the greatest of all time? If you do, which I imagine we all do, then I'll leave you with this. Be like Jesus because he is the greatest of all time. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning and we acknowledge and accept that you are the greatest. There is nothing on this earth that compares to you. Thank you for your word that we can read and learn from and help us to come into a more complete knowledge of you and your will for our lives. We want to live in a way that is pleasing in your sight. We want to be great in your kingdom. So help us follow the instructions that Jesus gave. Thank you for him who set a perfect example of who you call us to be. It's in his name that I pray, amen. If you want to be great, it starts with accepting Christ as the greatest of all time and Lord over all and being baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and Holy Spirit. If you have a need this morning, please come forward and one of the leaders of this church would gladly meet with you. Come now as we stand and sing.